Dog Media Studios here in lovely Cleveland, Ohio. This is the edifice of our demise. Hello all and welcome to the edifice of our demise, the show that takes a loving and longing look at the harbingers of our own doom. I'm your host, Rich Straffolino, and joining me is the Simmons to my Stanley, the McCartney to my Harrison, and the Fatone to my Timberlake. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Weinberg. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, but I, I guess I have to be the Simmons because I'm the Jewish one. I didn't want to have to say that. Also, I look way better in um, like shirtless S&M suspenders, so that's why I put that on there as well. I see. All right, that's fair. I was going to say, because the others seem to be the leaders. Yes. But except for Simmons. All right. That makes sense. Yes. As long as you're stereotyping me somehow. Absolutely. And you look fantastic in kabuki makeup also, just as a side note. Well, only on the weekend. Ben, how are you doing this uh, fine uh, fake Monday? (laughs) Oh, you know, a bit allergy laden as I am pretty much all the time, but otherwise good to go. Here it's uh, just starting to begin the uh, slow and maddening descent into winter. Uh, We just had our first kind of snow for the the winter season, uh, and it's it's a brisk day. Yes. It's bright outside, and it's a beautiful day for talking about the coming apocalypse. Are you ready to get apocalyptic with it, Ben? Let's do it. All right, well, let's get it going with a little something I like to call Apocalypse Revisited. That was a boo sound. That's not what I meant to do. Apocalypse <laughs> Revisited. <laughs> I guess we're not doing it. The sound effect on. said so. <laughs> That's the right one. Here we go. So, Ben, you may have recalled we talked about, or on the show, we talked about uh, daily fantasy football. I believe I talked about it with Jackie, my beautiful and amazing wife. I think we've talked about it in passing, though, between me and you. Of course. We're, uh, we are in an uh, inconsequential free league together. This is true. Well, we are in a standard, regular, weekly fantasy league where the betting, such as it is, is so has such a delayed gratification like, it's mostly just for that you feel good and give you a rooting interest for why the hell you would ever want to watch any Jacksonville Jaguars game. <laughs> My so, strategy is to pick against them. Yes, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and it's working. You're doing quite well in the league. So, but Ben, the New York Attorney General is now suing DraftKings and FanDuel, or bringing legislation against them, I should say, stating that, they're gambling opera- that they are a gambling operation because, in point of fact, they are a gambling operation. This occurs on top of a scandal involving insider trading with FanDuel. Okay. Has the hubris of daily fantasy already doomed their burgeoning industry? Will the exceedingly deep pockets allow their lawyers to defeat the attorney general's investigation? Uh, I think ultimately that it will because it's so popular and there's so much money to be made. Some big interest is going to jump in and defend them and find some loophole. Uh, I didn't realize the lawsuits were separate. I read that the attorney general uh, uh, was uh, was uh, on them for the insider trading um, but I didn't realize they were the game. I thought I thought the gambling thing was to was to stop that. I didn't realize it was a separate thing. Oh, I I may have I was reading about it from several different sources, so they weren't like I wasn't comparing which allegations were tied to which investigation. So they may oh, all I be see. part of one big investigation into their operation. Have oh, you I seen see. any of the codes of conduct that FanDuel was putting out for not. their employees? Basically, instead of having a policy that says you can't bet. Like you can't use your knowledge that you have, the access that you have to, uh, to very pertinent uh, information mm-hmm. to make money. Instead, basically, all of the rules state: don't make too much money, don't like beat certain people too <laughs> often, don't do too. It it really is, just don't draw attention to yourself, and you can make as much money as you want. And you may think, okay, why is this information so valuable? Does it really give you that big of a, a big of a uh, interest in it? Less than two percent, or I, I think it's. 
90% of the money made on daily fantasy are made by less than 2% of the players. Oh. So, yeah, it didn't well I read it was like 11 people or something made like the top 0.1% or something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's people that have completely not I don't want to say game the system, but they're math wizards, they're statisticians, they're people that are putting together their own algorithms to give them a substantial advantage in making money. And those are the people that you see in the ads that are making sure. know, $800,000, $2 million, what have you. And and they've they've done the numbers and they know, okay, if I you know uh, utilize this algorithm and I play low stakes, but I play a high volume of those, I'll make a ton of money. The issue then becomes when people that are working at FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever the the allegations are have access to their lineups, they basically know, okay, if I play uh, these guys in the right amount, I'm pretty much a shoo-in to win some kind of money. And uh, I see. The, the fact that they were not just turning a blind eye, but w- basically knowing that their employees were going to bet on this, I mean, you, you can't see that as anything else than just pure hubris on their part that they make so much money that they are never going to get caught with this. That's even like surreptitious insider trading. Because yeah, I was going, I, I was going to ask you what information, you know, inside do they have? Because you know, in our petty little league, mm-hmm. Yahoo tells you like so and so is projected for fourteen point one points today. But other than that, like, there's no way to predict who's going to have what. But they're actually, they're just looking at who's already gaming the system and just following their lead yep that's they're not even i mean have some originality (laughs) yeah i mean and and there's no telling what other because they're obviously FanDuel and DraftKings have to have some kind of algorithm because the way it works is each player is ascribed a value and you have a certain um uh, monetary value and you have a certain um salary cap that you have to stay under so, you know, Peyton Manning may be worth $5,000, but Aaron Rodgers is worth $10,000. So it's neither you, this week. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> bad examples, evidently. But the, the point is you're supposed to make the most uh, find the most valuable players for the least amount of money and then yes. put together the best squad for the, you know, your set value or whatnot. So there's obviously some kind of algorithm at work to determine those values. And just even knowing those would give you a huge advantage of what maybe what stats okay. are overrated or underrated in determining that value, let alone access to other people's profiles and all of that it, it it really does seem like the height of uh of of just arrogance on their part that they would just turn not even turn a blind eye basically endorse it in, in such a way that they don't get caught yeah is, is there cynical. i mean i guess the only I, I i can see a way that this will survive though because i really i agree with you that they're making so much ridiculous amounts of money on this that yeah. i mean i think the one stat was that they show an ad at, at, during uh Football games on Sunday, they're basically showing it at every 90 seconds between the two of them uh, on some media or another. And when you have that kind of money and that kind of pull, they may this this uh, action by the attorney general in New York, maybe they're banned for the rest of the season or they get some kind of slap on the wrist. But they have the money to just simply simply lobby Congress to pass some kind of uh, arcane law to give them some kind of license to operate. Maybe they have right. a little bit more supervision or maybe, you know, maybe they have to give some kind of disclosure, or give like a, you know, a gambling anonymous uh, number at the end of each ad or something like that. There's no way these companies are going away, though, right? No. Can I be cynical and pose the loophole that will get them out of everything? I would. I hope that you do. The fact that the if if it's the algorithms from the um the top one percent, whatever you want to call them, the group that is doing their own algorithm to do high um volume, low margin uh, picks, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. But those people are not in the organization, right? Isn't it the isn't it the the employees are 
monitoring those people who are doing really well and just copying their picks? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Well, isn't that outsider trading? I mean, the, the, they're not using information from the company. I mean, ultimately, those algorithms are still a guess by someone external uh, of, of of what, you know, it's but a that's different... Not inform- the, the reason it's insider is not information that's available to everyone. It's not like it's it's a well, mar- it's not a market force that you're able to you know it's the same situation where you're able to look at the internal books of a company before you buy the stock as opposed to what's publicly posted like the earnings or what. But I don't I don't think it is because if you're looking at the internal books of the company, it's the it's the company who you know runs the ship. But if these people that are making the algorithms are not the employees, then they're still ultimately guessing, even though they're using, you know, highly scientific methods. It's more than just an educated guess that someone could make off the top of their head. But they are still ultimately culling football data to make an educated guess. They're not using information from the company. And because the company is ultimately still perpetuating, it's kind of like Uber. They're facilitating a service but they're not actually controlling the outcome of football games, as far as we know. Yeah, that yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if that comes out. We'll, as well. find that out next week. But ultimately, the you know the people in the company are making, you know, they're basically copying. Like if you and I went out and just did whatever Warren Buffett did. I mean, it's kind of the same philosophy, and I think it's still a huge conflict of interest. Don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't surprise me to see some kind of argument like that. That saying, hey, like. We're not determining the outcome of football games. We still have no idea, you know, how many, uh, you know, how many uh, interceptions Matt Stafford is going to throw today. So spoiler many. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Although not not a not a high risk pick on that one. But um, they're not using, you know, information from the NFL or they're not using information that is not available to the public ultimately. So I could see them making some kind of argument like that um shocking ben coming to the yes. defense this the skeezy defense of, oh i still think it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> but so, i just i'm trying to think like the uh evil corporate overlords that I, they are i would have to, i would have to think that the attorney like there there has to be some provision for maybe it's not insider training maybe it's fraud or maybe it's a misrepresentation of uh of your interest or, or like a malicious intent you know that people have the idea that they're uh ben- placing these bets anonymously or at least uh, outside the purview of FanDuel or something like that there, there has to be some i i maybe i i actually see your point that uh it, it may not by the by the pure book of insider trading be that but i'm sure there's all sorts of uh, securities laws that there, yeah. this this doesn't sound like unprecedented, uh, even though it's gambling, not unprecedented yeah. in the business world to take advantage of information that other people don't have. The other thing is, I recall something about like FanDuel employees would bet on DraftKings and vice versa, like to like. So there seemed to be some definite awareness that they were doing something they weren't supposed to be able, able to do. So you know, maybe it's, I don't think it's technically insider trading, but there definitely is a conflict of interest, and it would seem like. If it's collusion or if it is, uh, you know, something's something's not kosher. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see if they technically broke a law. And there may just be, you know, like uh, since this type of thing is still pretty new, maybe it's just like the the law did not anticipate the terrible depths <laughs> of humanity that would use to circumvent itself, and thus there is currently an open loophole. 
the saddest part is that uh, Yahoo recently got into the daily fantasy game. Like they're a distant third player to FanDuel and DraftKings, okay. but they have now gotten roped into the investigation. And it's it every time just Yahoo gets involved from? with anything, it's just a sad trombone sound, uh, which I wish I had ready on cue if I had thought about that. But I'm just like, oh, poor Yahoo. You can't do anything right. Well, we know you have the boo sound effect. You want to cue that up? That's a, a Yahoo. That was a boo sound effect. You could not hear that, Ben. No. Speaking of boos, do you want to do a little doom or duh, Ben? Well, I, I do, but you set me up for the boo, so I don't really know how to feel. Well, yes, the answer would be yes. <laughs> okay. All right, Ben. Doom or duh? Donald Trump tacitly agreeing that Muslims should be tracked and documented by the government. Can I have to say doom? Uh, no, I'm going to change my answer to duh. Uh, I think it's, well, <laughs> well, it is a sign of the apocalypse. I don't think it, I mean, he's already, he's already called out how many different races. Should we be surprised he's adding one more to the list? Yeah, I, at first I was comparing Trump to Silvio Berlusconi in terms of his buffoonery, but also his influence <laughs> and power. Okay. But now, now it's just pretty much fascism at this point. Yeah. All right, Ben, go, sticking with the Republican nomination uh, for president contest. Doomer dub Ben Carson's belief that the pyramids were built by Joseph of the Technicolor Dreamcoat fame to store grain seemingly in the face of all archaeological evidence. Total doom, because this is supposed to be a smart man. If he had a career as a neurosurgeon, he must have some intelligence. But this is so beyond every evidence. How can you how can you adhere to a belief like that? And the fact that his base continues to support him because they're so die hard they will at this point they must be willing to support him through absolutely anything that he says it, it does seem for carson and trump that the more ridiculous they get the more people perceive that as an attack and then seem to need to move to defend them yes and it's almost seeming like they're setting themselves up to be attacked for being idiots and then so that their base will support them even more fervently yes the only thing i can possibly conceive is that carson is aware of the evangelical nature of the ultra-conservatives, and he's doing what you just said to inflame and thus uh, rally support for him. But that might be giving him too much credit by, like, three times. <laughs> Next up on Doom or Duh, a lack of toilet seat standardization in this fine nation. Doom or Duh? Doom, although I appreciate you uh, humoring me for my uh, home repair situation. <laughs> Next up on Doom Inside or Duh, joke. gingerbread lattes. Doom or Duh? Oh, complete doom. Any ridiculous flavor of latte that is only available seasonally is clear pandering to white people doom. Next up, Adele not putting out her new album on streaming services. Doom or duh? Doom in a good way. Good for her for okay. trying to retain some agency over her own product. Um, and I think you have to be, you know, Adele level of fame uh, or, or better to be able to pull something like this off uh, because otherwise people will just ignore you and be like, yeah, who cares, and leave you by the side of the road. But if you're as popular as she is, uh, I think Taylor Swift did yeah, something like this. Yeah, she did like that with this. 1989 as well. And did she ultimately stream it, or is she still holding out? No, I, she's streaming it, but it's exclusive to one of the newer – I think Apple Music, right? Oh, that okay. was the that was like kind of the deal with that. But I, okay. from what I understand, Adele is not streaming it at all. You can buy it yes. through iTunes, but you cannot stream it. Yes. So good for her. So hopefully uh, this uh, brings attention to, you know, most because the artists who are most affected by this are the artists who do not have the power 
to do any, you know, evoke any change by withholding. So, and the people that do are the people that don't really need the money at this point. So, good for Dell for sticking up for the artists who are affected. I don't know if it will do anything. We will see. Next up on Doomer Duh, the end of the Hunger Games movie franchise, thereby leaving a massive hole in the surefire hit book movie crossover category. Doom or Duh? Gonna go with Doom, but I doubt this is actually the end. I'm sure there'll be some sort of insipid, uh, lame crossover just to uh, keep the coffers flowing. If Fifty Shades of Grey can become successful either in book or movie form... <laughs> It doesn't take much. It just seems like the reason I included that is it just seems like there is no fill in for that. Like the Hunger Games was the fill in once the Harry Potter franchise was kind. We 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 knew the end was coming for that, and they're like, all right, we can ramp up the Hunger Games. And before that, we had the Lord of the Rings, you know, series of movies that Don't were you know, Twilight. Yeah, well, yeah, and Twilight exactly. So you had these kind of these big franchises, and maybe it's just because I don't know any tweens all that well or their reading habits, but I don't know that there is this giant uh, book franchise that you can make into these blockbuster movies. But then again, we have Star Wars that will fill in the gap of all of Hollywood's ills. Yes. And finally, on Doomer Duh, the owner of the OHL Flint Firebirds fired their coach because their, the owner's son wasn't getting enough playing time. The whole team summarily quit, including the owner's son. Doom or Duh? Yes, this is, uh, for those who may not know, the Ontario Hockey League. It's a junior league. It's for, like, the Canadian equivalent of, like, a college league. Mm -hmm. uh, going to go with Doom because... Even though it's a stupid reason <laughs> for that much of the team to hold out, it, it's just it's the type of conflict that can never end well for anyone. Once you go down that road, there's just this massive rift in the team. And for that to be the reason to change management, if the players have that kind of say, or if the owner is single-handedly exerting that kind of force, then why have a coach? Uh, it's just going to be... If, if any single place within an organization can have, can affect that kind of demand, then there's such a rift in your team that anybody with an ego can totally disrupt the team. And you would think in a sport like the NFL, uh, that could lead to massive problems. I mean, imagine if you know one of the superstars just held out and got his buddies on the team to hold out, and the team had no choice but to fire their coach, and the players are dictating who's in charge and running the asylum, it seems like a complete undermining of the entire way to build a team. It, it seems like the... I mean, obviously the owner is an idiot, and to, yes. to insist upon that is asinine and childish. Yes. Uh, and, and the fact that his own son, you know, thought that his dad wasn't being an idiot in this case kind of says a lot. But I agree, it does kind of, that, it's like, how do you rebuild that? Because if even if you, okay, you hire a new coach, let's say you forfeit all the rest of your games for the rest of the year, or I, you know, I don't even know what where the OHL is in their season, but uh, or you bring in scabs or whatnot, and you rebuild the team for the next year. Yeah, how do you build any kind of trust going forward, you know, both as, as an owner and then, as, you know, as a coach, what kind of credibility do you have with any players knowing that your owner could pull a move like this? Yes, agreed. But couldn't you see this happening elsewhere, like, in a much worse capacity, I feel like? It, it could know. happen. Uh, I know Doc Rivers right now is coaching his own son in the NBA, and that was that was kind of talked about preseason as maybe a source of conflict, but it seems like they're he's managing it fairly well. Like, he, he's giving him playing time that uh, reflects his performance on the team. He's not a superstar or anything like that, but, he, you know, he's a serviceable player. Yeah. 
So, but no, I, I could definitely see something like that. I mean, you, you see that just as much with like contract holdouts when those go sour and, you know, management starts dogging a player and then there's a rift between management and the coaching and, you know, the rest of the team. So you, you could definitely see that happening. Oh, yeah. All right, Ben, are you ready for a little apocalypse check? Yes, I am, Rich. We're going to be talking about records, and it's going to be fun. There are two big records, both of which I thought were unassailable, that seemingly may be on the verge of breaking one a little further out. We just spoke about Adele uh, with her not streaming her album, and as a result, and as a result of her massive popularity, she is set to break the 2.4 million albums sold in a week, which is previously set by NSYNC in the year 2000. At the same time, the Golden State Warriors may make a run at the seemingly unassailable 72 wins that the 95 Bulls uh, put up back in the day, led by Jordan. Wow. Which is a bigger sign of the end of days, Ben? Going to go with the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Um, I I think because certainly an impressive milestone for Adele, but this is the kind of thing that ultimately breaks records we previously thought unassailable. It isn't that, you know, one person has such a massive uh, undertaking that they break a record so much as the world or market changes around them and there's some, not asterisk, because the records are still legitimate, but there's some outside force which, you know, you wouldn't conceive of when at the time you consider the records unassailable. In the case of Adele, um, you know, nobody's buying albums anymore. That's why we would consider this. And because she is not making her it available through the contemporary avenues, you, <coughs> excuse me, you have no choice but to go out and purchase it. Still credit to her. Um, well, and, it's, and still, it's still an impressive record. And for her, it's kind of a perfect storm of being able to sell albums. One, she has an appeal to, uh, I would say, across generations, but more appeals than any other pop star that I can think of that's young to old people, right? Like, if my parents heard adult, they'd probably like her, even though I... I would bet money they have never heard an Adele song, but she has kind of a, a timeless kind of sound to her, or at least, oh, she, or at least she's actually singing. Yeah, and, and it's it's not, or at least it's not as contemporary as something like a Taylor Swift or something like that. The other thing being that she kind of has this comeback story going on, where she, you know she had surgery on her voice, people weren't sure, or on her throat, people weren't sure if she would be able to sing again. So it's kind of a, a kind of a celebratory album of her coming back to music, which I think is making uh, making people. Uh, Give it the benefit of the doubt maybe a little bit more and also want to kind of celebrate that uh, as kind of a triumphal moment for her. And also, from all reviews, the album is very good. So, you know, it's kind of a a good, a perfect combination of those three factors to lead to this. And you're absolutely right by not putting it on streaming. It certainly incentivizes a lot of people to go out and buy it if they want to hear it. Uh, But... You and you are absolutely right when you say good. You know, it, you need someone of this caliber for that to work, and she is going to make a ton of money off of this. But you have to remember, her last album, what twenty one, made was like the best selling album for like three years in a row or something ridiculous like that. I mean, she just is a artist with a lot of appeal. Even still, you have to realize two thousand. You know, you're you're just at the start of kind of the file sharing digitalization of music. There really ne- were no digital sales. Napster was a thing, but I don't think the instant crowd was maybe the Napster. Uh, you know that that's where why people were going to Napster for was for InSync stuff. It was it was really at the height of this giant boy band, this international phenomenon, and was able to sell 2.4 to break that with a, a a singer as singular as Adele seems to me pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'm actually surprised 
that nobody broke it in the meantime. Like you would think between like say 2000, 2004, I think Green Day had a big album. I mean, I can't even remember, but there were some other really popular acts and I'm surprised. I guess I have no perspective now, but it seems like that's a weird record. Like that's a weird record holder. I would think somebody more popular. Or like a Mariah Carey or someone also like Adele yeah. who is a little bit more timeless, a little bit more, again, has an appeal across generations, something like that. But uh, evidently it takes a uh, a soulful Brit to bring in the album sales. Okay. All right. Well, but going back to the Golden State Warriors, you were saying, you know, it's it's kind of the, the game has changed and they're kind of at the head of the curve in a lot of ways with uh, with setting the pace of how the game is changing, right? That is true. In fact, I don't think it's to the same degree, but similar to what we talked about with Adele, I've read that the Golden State Warriors, I guess in quotes, go small, mm. in that like the big thing now in the NBA is rather than have these giant seven-foot-plus guys standing under the hoop, they have all these mobile, you know, merely 6'6 six, six or whatever, <laughs> uh, guys who are great shooters from the outside, apparently, mm-hmm. and they're more mobile and they're faster. It's an outside I- end game, definitely. Okay, I don't know that. This is the extent of what I know about basketball. Well, I mean, but. the the classic, you know, basketball. Uh, a lot of classic bath- basketball wisdom would be: you get your big. You know, you have a guy like Shaq or someone like that. You mm-hmm. you run the game through him, right? So you get it down in the low post, and either they have to double team him and then pop it out for a shot, or he can dominate if you know they don't have the personnel to kind yeah. of do that. And you know, for, for a lot of teams, we're still kind of basing on that. Or even like a guy like LeBron is a bigger guy; he can post up. He's a very Versatile player is kind of an exception to this, but now the the, the total trend in the NBA and it, it it's very odd to watch an NBA game. It's actually very exciting because there's a lot of scoring and stuff like that, but it, it's very much a, a ball movement kind of game where you're everyone's waiting on the three point line. You're trying to mismatch people so you can get a double team or something like that and pop it out for a three pointer. And it's it's very much about efficiency now as opposed to you know just strictly uh, attacking the boards for maybe a high percentage two. People are realizing. Okay, if we can shoot forty percent from three point range, like no one can beat us ever. Right. How? But how? How much of a strategy was that consciously versus? Oh, we have Steph Curry, we can do whatever we want. Well, it does help to have one of the best shooters in the game uh, currently, and definitely he is a a transcendent uh, talent. Has developed more so from just a pure shooter to someone who can really run the game in almost every facet. He's is very fascinating player to watch. But I do think it is a I mean when you say going small, it is a conscious effort to get guys that are mobile to get even that your you know your power forward can pop out and maybe hit an open three at an above average clip. Uh, I, I I do think it, it's not a coincidence that they're the most efficient team in basketball for the last two years or something like that so far. So th- clearly that was a priority for them. And this kind of goes back, we've talked about this before, where the NBA has really started to quantify a lot of the aspects of the game where they know at every moment where they can track players like every moment that they're on the floor. They can see, you know, where the, the hot zones are, where the cold zones are. The the kind, the kind of the way the game has changed is the, the long two is basically dead. Like, no one wants guys that are, and this is kind of the separation from the generation of Kobe Bryant, no one wants guys that are, you know, going to pound the ball for 30 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever, 30 seconds would be a violation, pound the ball for 20 seconds, make a move, and then take a, you know, a mid-range two. That doesn't do anyone any good because the the difference in the percentage of points that you can get from that versus a high percentage three are so much uh, worse. So mm-hmm. there's, there's really no reason to play that way, at least in this game right now. Obviously, 
things can change as players change, as fitness patterns change. A lot of this has to do with bigger guys can be much more fit and much more able to move down the floor much more rapidly than they were maybe 20 years ago. So maybe as as those things change, you know, people will find ways to slow down the game, to limit the number of threes that are able to be chucked up, and then the game will change again. But right now, it seems like Golden State is playing the way that uh, it that the NBA is changing. They're they're at the head of the curve. They also have the team that's built the best to play that way. And until someone figures out a way to grind them to a halt and find a way to be just as efficient but maybe not need the volume that they can produce, then I, I, I see them having a very legit shot. Now, the question then becomes, can they stay healthy? You know, can... Um, you know, will there be any mental snafus or something like that? Obviously, it's a long season. All it takes is Steph Curry to miss two weeks, you know, and, and you know, they come back down to being mortal and, you know, they have no shot at the record. It is a very, very, very hard mark to reach, but uh, they seem to be built for it. Do you think they discovered this consciously? Like they they patterned that style of play or is that just something that evolved because they happen to have the right personnel? I I. I don't know if it was they sat down one day and said, this is exactly how we're building our team. But I think a lot of GMs are doing this where they're looking at what, you know, what can we do to be, I think as they got better stats and saw the importance of efficiency versus simply, you know, points per game or rebounds per game. And they were able to say, all right, how can we maximize this efficiency? And they were looking at players who were doing that. I do think there was a, a definitely a conscious effort to build a team similar to this. Not, it's not merely a, a, uh, uh, just kind of a weird coincidence that all the pieces fell together perfectly. Now, maybe they didn't realize that some players would fit in as well as they have. I don't think anyone expected Steph Curry to be a, you know, arguably the best player in the game, at least right now, uh, at this stage in his career. I think a lot of people saw him as a glorified shooter. And like I said, he's really uh, upped his, like every single season, finds a new facet to his game. And it's it's fascinating to watch. So, bold prediction time. Do you think they will break the record? Ultimately, I feel like there's going to be some kind of injury that they're going to get close. I definitely think they will win in the high 60s because they are just destroying teams right now. Like the Clippers are by all accounts a very good team and will make the playoffs and make hopefully go deep into the playoffs, at least for the Clippers. They got destroyed by uh, by the Golden State Warriors just the other night. So I really I, I do think they can be a very dominant team, but it's a long season. Injuries are a factor, so. I, I don't think they'll actually do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I did read that they won their first four games by a combined 100 points. <laughs> their, their margin of victory <laughs> was more than what most teams score in a game uh, for the first four games. But ultimately, I have to agree with you because as well as they're playing, the law of averages, you know, something is going to happen uh, you know, I remember maybe 10 years ago when the Pistons started like 28 and three or they had some ridiculous record and they became, you know, merely excellent over the second half of that season. And they ended up with like 60 some wins or something. But it's just so hard because it is a long season and so much can go wrong uh, that it is really impossible to sustain a perfect level of play. Uh, so I don't think I agree with you. I, I don't think they'll break the record, but uh, yeah, they are probably the best team since, you know, at least the Jordan era Bulls, right? In the last 17 or 18 years. You could certainly make that argument. Um, probably, I, I 
obviously Jordan is such an icon, it's hard to put him into perspective on where he fits in uh, with history uh, or, or put him in perspective with contemporary players because he is literally um. iconic. His, you know, his logo is on everything. So mm. it, it's tough for me to say that, but I without a doubt best team in the nba right now and best team in probably years i always remember those piston teams though you were going back like talking about like the 0403 pistons yeah as a, a team that i would compare them to in that they were a complete team right like everyone was a, was yes. contributing everyone was could just go off in a game and score 40 points or something like that maybe with the exception of tayshawn prince but um they were just a a complete team and really fun to watch because they were so versatile. And I kind of see that again with uh, the Golden State Warriors. So definitely uh, is going to be interesting to see. The other thing that though that comes is I'm reminded, though, of the perfect season by uh, the New England Patriots. And yes. it almost seemed like them so being so determined to be perfect hurt them in the playoffs, right? You know, it, it puts you in a weird space. And in a long season with the NBA – you know, the temptation is going to be, well, why are we going to play our best players, you know, uh, 35 plus minutes a game when we were, you know, 50 games or not 50 games, but 20 games ahead in the division? There's no point to winning these games other than to set this record. Why not put us in the best position to win a championship? You know, especially as everyone knows, it's so hard to repeat. So I could also see that being a factor, whereas not that they're trying to lose games, but maybe they're saying we're going to have a set limit on minutes for certain of our superstars and let's not burn them out halfway through the season. Yeah, that's tough to say because, you know, then you get to the end of the regular season and you're not putting in your best players for a standard number of minutes and you're not pushing, you know, you don't have to compete to the same degree that you do to win in the playoffs and then you get in a weird mindset. So that's always the concern, you know, in hockey, they do that with all the goalies, you know, once you're locked into a playoff position, rest your starter Mm -hmm. and then, you know, there's the question like, uh, you know they're not in the same mindset and is that a problem so uh, I agree with you it is a curse uh, but not one that I'm going to pity no definitely not definitely not so it'll it will see if my beloved Cavs can uh, disrupt their plans this year but uh, well if the Cavs had been healthy um, it would have been a very different series I would say that yeah because you know they lost what four to two yeah and two wins were pretty much all LeBron so uh, I mean imagine if they had with a healthy healthy serving of Delhi. Right. Uh, so, uh, well, let, we can only hope. Yes. So we'll we'll see. It, it'll be an interesting season for sure. I, you know, it, it, whenever you have some kind of historic mark like that, it gives you just a little extra reason to watch. You know, because again, basketball, foot or uh, baseball, those seasons just drag and slog like halfway through that it gets tough to really care because everything is so far away from being consequential that when you have a record like that, it makes it a little extra fun uh, just to watch. Certainly, and also the Golden State Warriors are that rare team, and right now, pretty much everyone likes them. Well, you know, they, they were a laughing stock for decades, right? And they're so recently good. Yes, we don't have the problem like you know the Yankees. We now forget were te- weren't they terrible for twenty years until like the mid to late nineties? But now yeah, they've 70s been nineties. Well, yeah, post Reggie Jackson, I should say. Okay, but they you know then they started you know signing the ridiculous teams of the late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, you know, everyone hates them. Also, being from New York, there's a kind of rift with the rest of the country. But, sure. you know, with Golden State, uh, there's really nothing to uh, nothing to dislike about them. They play a fun game to watch. Nobody's a jerk, as far as we know. Uh, nobody has legal trouble, as far as we know. Yeah, yet. yet. <laughs> um, and uh, they, like you said, they're at the head of the curve. So they're interesting to watch regardless of what your draw is. 
So, uh, so we'll see how long. I'm interested to see how long that can continue. Because at a certain point, you know, you get sick of a team or you're sick of them beating your team or, you know, it's enough already. But as long as they seem to be, uh, you know, winning with, you know, an interesting um, strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will see how long before either that fails or before America gets sick of them. This is true. It'll be interesting to see if they can, tur- if, uh, they can make the turn to heal and be just as uh, interesting to watch. So, Ben, kind of finishing up our conversation here, uh, obviously uh, this week uh, we have the Thanksgiving holiday. Do you have any spectacular plans for that? Uh, well, my family will continue the tradition that we have for my entire life, and that is watching the Lions lose on national television. <laughs> it's a proud tradition. It's a glorious tradition. Well, Ben, we have a very special BuzzFeed quiz okay. ready and waiting for you to celebrate Thanksgiving. We want to find out, Ben, what Thanksgiving side dish are you? All right. Any predictions before we start? I'm going to guess it's something that comes in a can. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a fan of the cranberry sauce, Ben? Well, not really. As you uh, may recall, I have very little sense of taste. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the moisture and the texture are pretty much all that I can discern. Uh, So disturbing uh, on so many levels, Ben. Yes. So, okay. So what what is your favorite? uh, Like, do you enjoy Thanksgiving at all, being as a man with no taste? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes, uh, there uh, there is a smorgasbord of textures certainly, mm-hmm. and uh, the if you know if if the turkey is uh, moist and uh, well sliced, that's something that I can tell versus if it's not. So the you know, slicing is important to you. Oh yes, th- that's one of the most salient features for me. Whereas it, I'm well, sure there are other the electric slicer. If it gets the job done, I'm okay with it. Okay, so it, it's more a more of the going with the grain, making sure it's not all shreddy and stuff. Yes, making sure it's not all shreddy, and I don't quite understand why, but there's apparently a, a, a light meat or a white meat camp and a dark meat camp, mm-hmm. and so, you know, making sure you get one or the other, and you don't have these people complaining, you got dark meat and my white meat, which seems to be just a sad metaphor for society. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, I hope you can bridge the gap. Have a, a leg and a breast uh, this fine Thanksgiving. So are you ready to find out uh, what side dish you'll be? Oh, I'm past ready. Question one, are you sweet or are you salty? Oh, I'm salty. <laughs> a little too easy there. All right, which would you rather swim in a pool of? Oh, neither. Go ahead. Gravy or butter? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say gravy. Butter is just one of – is the second grossest texture to me. I will – I would have allowed like an also a margarine as well. Uh, same thing. The texture is just disgusting. Okay. Describe, Even though gravy's gravy's still gross too. But which is your perfect Thanksgiving? A small affair with close family. Okay. I'd rather not celebrate it, to be honest. Okay. I prefer Friendsgiving. Family can be a bit much. Or I like a big traditional Thanksgiving. I guess the first one, that's really all that we have mm-hmm. in my family. Um uh, but So that uh, is the traditional Thanksgiving for you, is well, the small yes. affair with close family. Yes, that's true. Although yeah, they can be a bit much, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yes, I've never, I've yet, I've yet to uh, infringe on the friends' uh, Thanksgiving. Is is there the traditional side dish that someone feels they have to make every year, but that you find disgusting? Mm, well, <laughs> my family uh, has gone to restaurants the last. <laughs> 10 years or so because nobody wanted to cook and host that many people in their house mm-hmm. um and so 
Uh, no, it's all pretty good, or at least there's nothing, like, there's no one crazy relative that makes something unpalatable. My, uh, and I, a lot of people like this. I'm the weirdo that doesn't like this, right? But every year my mom makes these honeyed yams, and it's just, like, I like honey, I like starchy things. The two of those together, can't deal with it, get it out of my face. All right. And finally, do you enjoy hosting Thanksgiving? I'm going to guess the answer is, oh, God, no. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Uh, oh God, no. I, yes, I do not enjoy hosting pretty much anything. Do Except you think, the show. Inter- interesting question here. Do you think turkey is tasty given your lack of taste? If it's made right, oh yes, because it's okay. it's succulent, it's juicy, as opposed to just like a dry cut of, you know. You ever, you ever had a brined turkey? Uh, I don't think so. No. It's uh, it's where you basically soak a turkey in salt water overnight. And what it does is allows you to cook it at very high temperatures because it absorbs a lot of water uh, by doing so. Oh, and so I it see. makes it very moist and also cook a lot faster. No, haven't done that. I've also heard of the turkey in the bag. There's some kind of bag that does something similar. I think you just kidnapped the turkey in that case, Ben. Oh, all right. Well, then all let's right. change the subject. How do you feel about thank- the Thanksgiving Day Parade? You never watch it? You'll watch it if it's on. It's a tra- tradition, and I like it. Or it's a tradition, and it's dumb. <laughs> it's a tradition and it is dumb I don't I in, understand I am in the same camp Ben you are stuffing <laughs> alright you're savory and good and people love you a lot you're like bread but better and bread is already really really good I don't know if any of that's true do we know what the alternatives were do we know what I might have been I don't because I took it and I also got stuffing so it so, may just be stuffing is the only answer that you get maybe I'm sure if you say like sweet and maybe some other stuff you would say um maybe like a cranberry or like corn I guess that's traditional yams are also oh, I guess, you know. yeah I guess if you uh if, if all of your answers were traditional they'd give you the corn yeah I would think so if All you right. said butter, I bet butter weighs heavily into the corn uh, discussion there. Well, Ben, I think that just is about to bring us to the end of the show. I hope you do have a very awesome uh, Thanksgiving uh, with uh, you and yours. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And to you as well. Do you uh, Your tradition, if I recall, is uh, your family and the wives live yeah, nearby. You attend both. We'll go over on, – on Thanksgiving Day, we'll generally go over uh, my wife's family's uh, for my in-laws and, and have uh, watch all the football and eat all the food there. I always get a special plate of Spetzels, which I particularly enjoy. Okay. Uh, and then the day after, my da- it's always a tradition to get together with my dad's family just because that always ended up working out with uh, with everyone else's family. And uh, we have a big uh, big dinner there. A lot of turkey clubs is my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the, the turkey okay. club afterwards. That always brings together the Miracle Whip versus Mayo debate. Uh, uh, which um, enemies have been made. I'm not going to lie. That should have been in the quiz. See, now yeah. that's... <laughs> I'm assuming you're a mayo man. I am a nothing man. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's just No, that's the texture speaking, right? Yes, exactly. It's this clump of goo. I do not do clumps of goo. I don't like butter. I don't like mayo. Uh, I hate yogurt. Yogurt what? is the most disgusting thing. What about ugh. a sour cream? Uh, no, ugh, I can't do sour cream. I used to get a sour cream on the Chipotle burrito, mm-hmm. but... I couldn't trust the people not to just pile it on. They give you one scoop and it all sits there and you get a bite of sour cream. It's ugh. Well, I also find that gravity also weighs heavily into that because like the way you're holding it, the sour cream will just generally tend to go to the bottom and then your last bite is all sour cream. Yes, that is disgusting. Uh, first world problems, Ben. They are the worst. 
Yeah. Well, that just about brings us to the end of the show. Remember, if you have any suggestions for topics that you would like us to discuss, edificeofourdemise at gmail.com, at edificedemise on Twitter, or facebook.com slash edificeofourdemise. Remember to like our page there. I haven't updated it in a while, so I don't know why you would, but it's there for you if you need that. Uh, also, remember, I have something actually, Ben, I'm assuming you have nothing to plug per usual. Uh, per usual, yes. My life is just a void. Well, uh, at least you're consistent. Uh, much like a black hole. But the uh, I have something to plug. I was recently involved in a project with the uh, singer-songwriter Jens Lechman. Uh, he did a ghostwriting project. I sent him a story, and he wrote a song about it. It's pretty cool. So if you go to SoundCloud.com slash, I want to say Jens Lechman. That sounds about right. Uh, you can find all of those songs there. And mine is uh, the song titled, This is a Story That I Won't Tell Proudly. Uh, so keeping my tradition of shame alive and well. Uh, so if you want to check that out, it's a lot of fun, and it's only two and a half minutes of your life. Deal with it. Uh, okay. Any final words before we take off, Ben? Um, nope. All right. Uh, concise and uh, and void of content as usual. Thank you so much, Ben. I always appreciate you sitting in. Of course. And until next time we meet, remember, everybody, have a super sparkly day. Unless the apocalypse gets you first. Holler. <laughs>